Welcome to Raising Connections. I'm your host, Ray Shan Mayer. This is the program where we talk about all of your critters, companions, commerce, and agriculture, and the connections between them. This morning, as always, we have a fun and interesting guest, Ellie Bondi. Welcome. Thank you. Lots of people in our community know you. Can you introduce yourself? My name is Ellie Bondi. I moved to Mount Airy in 77. Previously, I was a teacher and lived in Montgomery County. And I worked for 15 years at St. James Preschool on Main Street in Mount Airy. And then in 2001, my daughter and I purchased Blossom and Basket Boutique, the flower and gift shop on Main Street in Mount Airy. So that's where I've been for the past 23 years. You have an exciting background. Teaching is not just teaching. It is educating and it never ends. True. Yeah. That attention to detail that the teachers have and the ability to do paperwork. Wow. I'm always amazed by that. Yes. (laughs) Yes. If you should see her face with that. Yes. (laughs) You are very involved in the community. Yes. Why do you find that such a passion? Oh, interesting question. I think I come from a family of caring people. My mother was a kindergarten teacher and involved in her community, worked with the Head Start program in the public school system in New York State. And she used to take me with her when she did the home visits, which was very, very educational. How old would you have been when you were going with her? Or just from the time you knew you were going? Elementary school age. Oh, yeah. I was pretty young. It was very eye-opening. And in the area of New York State that we lived, it was the highest welfare state in the state of New York, outside of New York City. So So lots of things to see. Lots of things. A good education for me. And go mom, because she was the one who was interpreting all of this for you, because your eyes weren't able to interpret it at that point. Yes. Education by walking around. Yes. And two parents who my dad taught at the local college and my mother ended up in the public school kindergarten. So, yes, an education background that I never questioned whether I would be a teacher. I always knew that I would be a teacher. But it seems like everything that I've done in my teaching and personal career led me to the next step because I was the classroom teacher and then I worked in the early childhood vision program in Montgomery County Public Schools. Vision not being the ability to see the future, but the ability to use eyeglasses. eyeglasses. I was brought in because I had a master's in early childhood and to work with the children who were in the vision program in Montgomery County Schools, ages three to seven who some of them were totally blind, some of them had very low vision. They brought them to a center so that the vision specialists could work with them in that setting, but they needed somebody there to do everyday preschool-type activities with these children while they weren't with the vision specialist. So we did lots of tactile things because the children had either no or very low vision. We used a lot of cardboard boxes. I remember a big cardboard box because you can be inside or beside or under or over. So when you're teaching spatial relationships to children, they need to feel it. That makes sense. And do it. Experience it. Experience it. That was in educational. Then I came after I had my two daughters, I went to the preschool in Mount Airy in a director position. So I was more administrator than the teacher. That's a big change. It was a huge change. And I realized then that that was training me to start working in the business because 
I really was not a money person. I worked with people. I loved the philosophy, the psychology of dealing with people and even the parents as well as the parent interaction with the children. And you probably understood that in a very different way because of having been a teacher. Yes. And it happened that at the preschool, I was there for 15 years, my desk was right beside the treasurer's desk. And so I watched how she handled all the financial things in the school. Then, lo and behold, I ended up owning a shop that I had no training in, but then realizing that watching the treasurer at the preschool deal with all the finances over 15 years, it was really training me. And I had employees at that school and I have employees now, but I also deal with the public. And all of that takes a special finesse that I'm sure being a teacher truly helps with. (laughs) I think apparently it does. It's just me. My sister and her husband are teachers. Uh-huh. 16 of my cousins are teachers. Three are principals and one is a superintendent. It is a special breed of people. I am not a teacher. I know that. I'm an educator, but I am not. I don't like structure that much. Uh-huh. So that bell rings in my heart. We go, oh no. Getting into the community, being an educator, as you said, Being in the community, an education person, an educator is part of the community. Do you think that education background and the experience you had with your parents primed you for being the community director that you are involved in all of the areas that you are within Mount Airy environs and especially the Mount Airy Disaster Relief Group? I think it just made me who I am. And that's why when the call came out to jump into a team to help when the big fire happened in 2005, they said, we need to have a group of people come and help raise money. And I volunteered. 2005 was not quite the beginning of the Mount Airy Disaster Relief Fund, but that's when it took a growth step forward. Yes. How did the Disaster Relief Fund come to be? In 2005, there exists a group of townhouses off of Backacre Circle in Mount Erie. A fire happened on a deck in one of those townhouses. I believe it was November, right around Thanksgiving of 2005. And although the townhouses themselves were built with fire breaks in between each house, the decks were not. Uh So the wind took the fire from deck to deck to deck. And I think there were five in that unit and they all were decimated by the fire because of the wind. It just happened. Some of them were repairable. A couple of them were totally destroyed. At the beginning, it was the fire fund. It was a fund initiated by another resident of a neighboring townhouse who came into the community and said, we need some people to be part of a fundraising group. We did events. I don't happen to remember exactly which. I was not in charge of the group at that point. And then after that fire and after those people had been rehomed and backed into their burned out places, the group decided in 2007 that we needed to continue to be a group. We had a bank that was willing to partner with us. And we became a 501c3 nonprofit and renamed as Mount Airy Disaster Relief Fund, designed to aid individuals in the greater Mount Airy area who have been affected by an unforeseen event. 
such as tree falling on the house, a fire, a flood. Believe it or not, we don't have lots of water around, but we have had a flooded home in Mount Airy. Water can be meaningful. Because the creek grows. Yes, we live near a creek. I can appreciate it rising. Uh-huh. It goes over the bridge down on Runkle's Road. Yeah. And my goodness. This was near the Twin Arch Bridge. That, That's that low. water. Yes. yes. There are houses in there. And so that's what we've been doing. One of the things that I'm very proud of, the fact that we partner with that bank. To give you an example, there was a home that was burned. A family went for a walk and the house happened to catch fire while they were gone and it was totally unlivable. The community wanted to support that family. And instead of establishing a GoFundMe, because GoFundMe is a business and takes a percentage. Absolutely. I don't think a lot of people realize that. Yes. And that's one of the things we try to educate everybody in town about the fact that this bank, because they partner with our nonprofit, will hold the money. So if- Local banks are amazing. I'm going to plug local banks here. Yes. Because the national banks don't have the capacity to do that. Yes. They are held to different, I'm not sure if it's rules or regulations, but they have a different opportunity, different vision. Not that it's good or bad, just different. And those local banks, especially the one local bank, really came in yes. to this space. Yeah. I'm going to ask you to say it again. GoFundMe is a business. Yes, it is. And a business has expenses. They have to pay people. They have to rent space. And therefore, they take a percentage of the money. Again, we've heard some horror stories where somebody thought they had $20,000 in a GoFundMe. And when they got the money, they realized that it was about two-thirds of that. Wow. That's more than merchant services. Yeah. Wow. They take a lot. I don't have specific figures. So the benefit of our program is that this family that needed money, the amount 20000 came into my mind because that's how much the community gave for this family. And the fact that the family didn't really need it until the house was rebuilt because it had been insured. The insurance rebuilt the house, but they needed it for furniture and the details that you need. The goods of living. Yes. When we come back, let's talk a little bit more of this because when it gets down to living in a community, that's where the rubber really hits the road. Join me, Rayshan Mayer, from Mariah Bellmander Kennel for our new adventure, Living Life Tales Up podcast, combining everyday life with what goes on at the kennel and farm, a bit of humor, some ideas, and some positive happy bubbles. We're living tales up, nose down, and staying on track. We hope to see you on Living Life Tales Up for five to ten minutes worth of happy, happy bubbles shooting out there in the atmosphere. See you soon. Welcome back to Raising Connections. This morning, we're talking with Ellie Bondi. Welcome, Ellie. Thank you. Mount Airy Disaster Relief Fund, I think, highlights the best of the community when the times get really bad. So could you recap for us just what the Mount Airy Disaster Relief Fund is? It is an organization of about 10 individuals who are all caring people who really want to be a benefit to the community. And we have established a fund which is available to anyone who lives in the 21771 area who has an unforeseen emergency disaster, such as a tree falling on the house or a gas explosion or a fire. All those things that make my heart and stomach drop at the same time. 
When we left, we were talking about the family who had a fire, and it was the unforeseen things, because I think one of the things, and having lived through a couple disasters myself, you are insured. And if you've done your business well, you're insured properly. But that also means there's all these expenses and this wonderful word, depreciation, that comes along with a business of insurance. And all of these unforeseen, really awful heart-dropping things, the fire. And as you were saying earlier, the family needed funds when they started living again in the house. Yes. And it was the furniture. Because furniture, when you insure it, it depreciates. But I sure appreciate the couch I've been sitting on. And so that's sort of the gap that the Mount Airy Disaster Relief fills. It's the expenditure of the money. It's up to the family. The folks who donated it did not have a specific thing in mind. They just realized that when the family goes back into the house, that there's going to be things that were not covered by the insurance. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the gap that the Mount Airy Disaster Relief Fund fills. Right. It's Our- not the mismanagement that creates the disaster. There is an unforeseen event that comes up. Where is all of that information? Because sometimes you have all that information, but in the middle and the throes of the disaster, you don't know where it is. Well, where is your purse? Where is the lockbox? Who has the keys? The Mount Airy Disaster Relief Fund has come up with what I think is a really cool idea to put all that information into one place. We have created a notebook that we call In Case of Emergency. There are pages inside where we've kind of done a template and we encourage people to add to this template because we can't foresee all the information that you yourself would want on those pages. But on the pages, it asks for your full name, your social security number. This is a place to record your personal information your doctor's name and phone number, your dentist's name and phone number, the information on everything about your life. Let's say you have a pet. Envision the situation where you went out of town and got into an accident in Frederick and you're in the hospital and your dog's at home. You can't speak. So someone's going to say, oh, she's got a dog in her house. Let me go in. How do they know how much the dog gets fed? Where what kind of food? Yes. Yes. What do they need? How much food do they get? Who's the dog's vet? That vet's phone number. And we also ask people to think about the fact that if they were in an accident and they were unable to go back home, maybe ever or for 30 days or whenever they were in ICU, who do you want to have take care of that dog? Right. Because you're not there to do it. And put this information in a place where somebody that you know, that you care about, knows where it is. Yes. Also make a copy of it and put it in the shed. Because if your house burns or for about $30 somewhere online, you can get a fireproof box. They say it's a safe, but it's pretty easy to break into it. Or you can pick it up and walk off with it. Yes, yes, that's small. But it is fireproof and waterproof. That's the other thing. Sometimes a house fire can be devastating, but not everything burned. And this box would survive a fire and could be used to help the rest of the world figure out what you need and what you wanted. It's kind of to organize your life put your information in one place. And it has it has caused my husband and I to have good conversations about he has two dogs. 
they're not necessarily my dogs. They're right. his dogs. Who would he want to have have his dogs? And in the case of my cat, who would I want to have take care of my cat? These accidents you never plan for. Yes. My husband was riding a motorcycle. A deer hit the motorcycle and he didn't come home for 30 days. It was one of those things where your world just turns on a dime. And having that place with what's the address, who's the next of kin. We live in an area where Mount Airy has a lot of people who move in and move out. And we come for work without the extended family. I often see on Facebook or many of the social media pages, hey, we've just moved into the area. What are the recommendations? which means they don't have that network and they haven't migrated into the community yet. And if something should happen, people who want to help need to know how to help them the best by knowing maybe who their relatives are. Who is your next of kin? Who are these people? Where's the extra key to the house? What's the car? And I don't know about you, but I've always put in these books, photocopies of my driver's license. Because any of the things that I can make photocopies of, I do and I stick it in there because it never fails. Somebody I'm talking with, somebody I think I need, or my husband's or my daughter's or the, you know, if the dog has special things, put all of that in there because when my husband was in the accident, his wallet was taken at the scene and put in his belongings for the hospital. But yet I needed to do reporting and I didn't have his driver's license number as the operator of the motor vehicle was incapacitated. And so it's all these crazy little things you don't think about until you walked a mile in shoes you didn't expect. We partnered with two local insurance agents to help fund the creation of this notebook, which by the way, we give away free. Yes. You just have to ask us any of us, I have copies of it at Blossom and Basket Boutique so that you can just stop in and say, I want one of the books or I want one for me and I want two for each of my daughters. We are delighted to give them away. But the insurance people also would love to have in that book a set of photos of the interior of your house. If your house burns, in order to itemize what was lost or the tree falling on it too, but more often it's the fire, to itemize the items so that you can at least value what it was that you lost. Because when you have to stop and think about all the things you had on that shelf by the TV, you forget forget them. What a wonderful way. I know in some of the insurance jewelry is one of the things that might be photographed. And I remember going back and thinking, was I wearing it in this picture? Was I wearing it in that picture? But just going through the jewelry box and clicking. And valuable artwork, if you have valuable artwork on your walls, to have at least a photograph of it. Absolutely. This is a just a three-ring binder. So we encourage people to add extra pages. This is just like a stimulus to get people started thinking about the fact that, you know, you need to be prepared. I love that. Sometimes just the little seeds dropped in there. So if we want to find out where to locate one of these books or donate to the Mount Airy Disaster Relief Fund or ask for help from the Mount Airy Disaster Relief Fund, on Facebook, there's the contact information there as well as Messenger. And then the store, Blossoms and Baskets, will give you this. If you stop at Mariah Bell Manor Kennel, we'll give you this. There's a community network within Mount Airy. Where else could they find us? I know that we have gotten referrals from Mount Airy Net. 
Mount Airy Net's been in town and it has a very high level of awareness. I think the problem with Mount Airy Disaster Relief Fund is that so many people don't know that we even exist. And that's been hard. We do have a rack card, a beautiful red rack card, which is available at Town Hall. And there are some at the library, at the public library, and at the senior center. There are some there as well. Find us, get involved. Find out what's going on in your community, that community-mindedness. No matter what you're involved with in your community, being community-minded, active where you live, buying local, seeing who your neighbors are has value at all times. Ellie, you've got the floor. What's the last thing you'd like to tell all of our listening audience? Oh, my goodness. I guess in my other role besides being involved with Disaster Relief Fund is that I own a small business. And so it's important. I hire your neighbors. So supporting any small business in any town is very valuable and very important right now. And it's the small businesses that make the Disaster Relief Fund possible. If it weren't for that small bank and those community-minded folks getting it off the ground, our little town with four different counties wouldn't have the Mount Airy Disaster Relief Fund. Yeah, you're right. Thank you all for listening to us. Go get involved in your local communities. We'll see you next week. Make some connections, and we'll see you on Raising Connections. This program is a production of Raising Connections Media Company, hosted and produced by Rashan Mayer and edited and mixed by Robin Temple. For more information about our programs, visit RaisingConnections.com.